I have an Earl Grey for Jeremy. That's me here. Thank you. All right. So we're back at a Lulz Cafe today talking about uh, technology, theology, and culture as they intersect. And uh, I'm welcoming today the student body president of the Moody Bible Institute, uh, Luke Kegris, who's here to talk to us in a political week about politics and social media. So welcome. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, so, uh, and by the way, to be clear, I had to drag him on here to talk about this because <laughs> he uh, he just didn't want to talk about politics you and know, social media. You know, I'm super introverted. I know. I don't like talking to people. I know. And I haven't been asking, like, for months to be on this podcast either. Right. I've, yeah. No, that didn't. That did. no, didn't he, happen. We're, we're having, I'm very glad you're here, though. <laughs> and, and to talk in, in a week, because you do care about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, really about, uh, because politics has been deeply impacted by the mediation that we've been experiencing over the last decade or so yeah. in terms of how the conversations are taking place, what's possible in dialogue in the, some of those spaces, and then what uh, things we are um, able to not talk about and talk about. So can you talk a little bit about your background, just what you've worked on, and obviously you've run a campaign to become yeah. the student body president, but before that you were working in some other spaces. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so so like you said, I'm I'm the student body president at Moody. I'm a senior, so so this is my um last year at Moody, but also it's my second year as president. Mm -hmm. I ran for election. Really, it's weird to think about as a sophomore, as a little baby sophomore. <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. I ran this campaign. I had this whole team and I was like, I got this all figured out and then um we won and so I was president all last year, my junior year, and then um I've been president so far this year. Um and it's been awesome, but like you said, you know, but before that and currently now I work part-time at my church. I'm um our social media coordinator. So right up those alleys, I got one hand that mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, political, you know, student government things and mm -hmm. running campaigns mm -hmm. and on the other side I'm running uh, pretty large social media channels with my church. Um, you know, I come from a church. I've been there my whole life, and I, uh, my dad worked on staff before I did, and my family had gone there. You know, my parents got married there. Uh, so it's been the church I've known my whole life, um, the church of, a, church of a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I started on staff there and we took over or I took over our social media channels, you know, um, we have about 5,500 people that like our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple thousand on our Instagram and we have a Twitter account, but like nobody, nobody <laughs> interacts with it. So right. I still utilize until it this week. apparently. <laughs> yeah. So. Until this. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really cool to get to do that job part-time while I'm at Moody and get mm -hmm. to do it remote. And then of course get to capture content and, you know, be there when I'm home on breaks and stuff. But um, getting to see a super cool side of, Honestly, when I think about it, running two kinds of campaigns all the time, you know, mm -hmm. I we're, we're running campaigns for the church, running ads all the time for, you know, Easter services coming mm -hmm. up or, you know, right now we're about to gear into Christmas. We've of already course. had Christmas meetings um, and planning and then running ads across social media for Christmas. But then my Moody World, you know, we were running a campaign for president. And yep. so it was it was completely different. But it was like having a hand in that was just so cool. Um, so that's a little bit where I'm at. Where yeah, I'm and from. before that, though, you worked on an actual political campaign for a. a yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a friend of mine ran for local office mm -hmm. um, for um, Indiana House of Representatives mm -hmm. for District 31. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the right number. <laughs> it was a little bit ago. Um, unfortunately, he did not win. It was fairly close, but um, so that was my first time. 
really hands-on being involved in a campaign, actually. You know, I have been interested in politics for a long time, um, and I've always been a firm believer that, listen, I don't care what side of the aisle you lean to, I don't care who you voted for, but if we can't talk about it, Mm -hmm. there's going to be no progress made. It's all about having dialogue, right? Yeah. And so, you know, even when I was running for president at, at Moody and there were plenty of things said about me and a whole slander campaign ran and, and all that that I had to deal with. It was also trying to remind people like, hey, I'm a person too and I don't care who you voted for. I don't care if we are the same color at, at, in the voting booth. And, you know, but it's important that we talk about those things because we probably have so much more in common sure. than we think because you voted blue and I voted red or vice versa, you know? Yeah. Um, and so getting to work on his campaign for, for a while um, and getting to see the inside of that, you know, it, politics are just just crazy, especially now. You know, I honestly, I think if I worked on his campaign or even I ran for president, um, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, like I feel like it would have been different. And so a part how, how of that. So? How so? How do you think it would be different? Well, I think that centers around our conversation today. It's yeah. social media. Yeah. I think social media has had such an influence on that. Um, some good things, but also I think it, it has given people an avenue to hide behind a screen mm-hmm. and they are way um, more bold about saying things that sure. they probably wouldn't say to somebody's face. You know, if I have a disagreement with you and I'm sitting here right now, now me, I might tell you to your face. I'll say, hey, <laughs> right. listen, Pettit. Sure. I, I, and, you know, that that's good. That's part of dialogue. That's right. good for us to be able to talk about those things. Um, but you and I have an established relationship in the classroom and outside of the classroom to have a conversation like that. Sure. But if I didn't know you and I just heard things about you and I could say, listen, I can go get on Twitter right now. Sure. I can go get on Instagram and I can say whatever I want about this guy. He does not know where I live, does not even know what I look like. Yep. I don't even have a user. I don't even have like a profile picture. Sure. It's almost like there's just no ramification to the hate that can be spewed out of that from a platform that I think could have been used to to really like do so many cool things with a campaign, with technology, especially with COVID. Like nobody was even doing things in person for so long. All we relied on was technology and social media in that time. Well, it's it's even, it's actually even worse than that in some ways, because okay. If, if you said uh, you got an anonymous account and you posted and you said some things, okay, fine. If I could say, but I know that at the back of every account is a person, right? Then at least I could say, all right, so we're seeing the tone and the tenor of, of the group of people as they talk. The unfortunate part, and this is kind of what led to that whole uh, discussion, we'll say, more like disagreement and almost uh, lots of lawsuits with Elon Musk and Twitter, yeah. was in essence that there weren't that. That was a, They were actually bot accounts. Yeah. And so if you could make 100 bot accounts that would amplify that one opinion of yours, it could sound like there were a lot more people who right. agreed with you than just you, which creates this... Uh, set of noise in the system that makes it very difficult well, to distinguish. Am I talking to a person or yeah. am I talking to a hundred bots that are literally all programmed to just kind of do variations of the same thing? I mean, in all honesty, I feel like that starts the conversation of just pushing a false narrative on people. Because even if you're one person, you have a disagreement with somebody, if you've got a thousand bots that are also saying this person is... XYZ or said this thing or we hate this guy because or this lady because, you know, however you want to twist it. um, You now have somebody getting on the Internet and saying, oh, my gosh, everybody thinks this when that may not be the case. It may be one person. You know, you got all these bots doing whatever. I think the Elon Musk example is great. Um, That may not actually be true at all. Of course. But who are we to 
tell that, you know, and I think, um, you know, when you talk about, I mean, this goes down a little bit of a rabbit trail, so we won't sit here long, but I think about like, you know, during COVID, when we had this whole vaccine argument with people on social media, a lot of the disagreement about whether or not to get vaccinated or whether or not to wear a mask or whether or not to you do class online or go back in person was it safe to be in person i think was fueled by so many people who had an opinion about it who were sharing their opinions about it who then shared their opinions about it and to the point where i was like who's the doctor in the room who's the who's the person where's the voice we're supposed to be listening to um and so but the the weird part of that was you could have two people you could have somebody who is extremely anti-vax and somebody who gets a vaccine once a week somebody complete opposite spectrum and both of them could easily go on the internet and find sources as to why what they were saying was true sure why this person says well this doctor said the vaccine's not safe and this person said that this this just hasn't been studied long enough sure and the other guy can come and say well this doctor says it is safe and this guy says it has been studied long enough so how is it that this thing called the internet and social media has now taken somebody who they believe completely opposite things, both believe that they're right sure. and both believe that it's true. And now they're just arguing about it on their Twitter feed. And further making this more complicated is when oh, great. an algorithm yeah. essentially is set up to keep delivering me things that agree with my position. So then I wind up with, you know, the, the favorite phrase, the echo chamber that basically right. is just reverberating back all the things that I want to hear, which then is, we'll see everybody agrees with me. Right. So then the the problem that kept coming across was that if this had stayed as, and I'm going to call it uh, a simulation, I don't mean it's a game, but it of feels course. like a game. I, I, yeah. If this had stayed as a simulation in an online space, that would have been one thing. But the fact that it turned into real world consequences with um, people in a particular location thinking I've got a whole army of people behind me who think the same thing as I do now walking out into the street and finding oh wait my neighbors don't agree with me yeah. and I don't really know how to address them other than to hop back online and then go back well, at it and and I think that is honestly a really good segue into how you run a campaign on social media because you think of the different different demographics of people that you're targeting and so, you know, to, to your point, when you talk about people thinking, oh, yeah, everybody agrees with me. You know, I see this candidate. I see this post. Everyone agrees. Everybody likes this person more. Um, but the way that that candidate runs their campaign and even like right here locally in Illinois sure. or in the United States, whether it's on a national scale or a local scale, it's going to be different. Look at the state of Illinois. Are they catering to the people that live in downtown Chicago that ultimately are probably going to decide, you know, where the where the state falls? But what about the rest of the million of, of millions of people that live in the state that are farmers and country and and completely different than downtown, you know, sure. city living of Chicago? Right. And so it's interesting that you could have people even in the same state that have the same candidates on their ballot are are thinking, oh yeah, this guy is. You know, let's we'll, we'll we'll just go extreme for a second. You know, this guy is pro Second Amendment. He's super pro life. You know, he's a farmer. He's this guy is for us. You know, this is everybody love this guy. But then you travel 20 minutes north and you're no longer in farmland and you're hitting the suburbs of Chicago. And all these people are saying, oh, that guy does not represent our state at all. And so it, it's crazy because now the, the ads that these guys are seeing 20 miles away fit their demographic, their people, their, mm-hmm. their, their church friends, their work friends that are, you know, middle of nowhere, Illinois. 
And then not too far away are people seeing a completely different narrative of Mm -hmm. whether it's the same candidate or a different candidate because of where they live and what they believe and the amount of money that they make. I mean, it can come down to, you know, the the taxes and the cost of living in one area of a person. This guy's going to lower your taxes. Okay, well, my taxes aren't bad on the farm that I own all by myself, but they're they're crazy downtown in the city. So it's just you you talk about stuff like that where it's like, wow, like you really have people that could be neighbors that are thinking that everybody believes what I believe. Sure. But you go just down the street and they're also thinking that, but it's completely different than what you were saying. Right. And 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 I think the challenge is that when the social media landscape and the environment that we've created, which, by the way, is curated for you yeah. based on algorithms that are trying to deliver you content that are primarily there to keep your attention in the space so that they can sell your attention to an advertiser. Please remember, if you are not paying for it, you are what's being sold. Oh. If you're Seriously, if you're not paying for it, they're selling you somehow. They're selling your data. They're selling your attention. They're selling something about you Hmm. because that's how they're going to make. They have to make money. Yeah. These are very big companies that have to make money. So they're going to sell your attention. They're going to sell something about personal data, which then comes back to even some of the discussions earlier, like back in 2016, 18, when they were talking about Cambridge Analytica, basically pulling psychological testing and using that to sell to other political campaigns so that they could do things. And that became this, and not even just America, that was in the UK and a couple of places but just the notion that this information as much as we want to say uh, it's important it's the recognition that this is uh something they can weaponize yeah something that can be used not just against the opponent but against the opponent's people who might sympathize or so because Cambridge Analytica if you're not familiar was a scandal basically where they were collecting data there's something like 67 million users on Facebook um, and Cambridge Analytica was actually splitting segmenting the audience which is what you normally do in a campaign that's fine right they segmented the audience out and so they actually could tell based on what they were getting data wise from the person that uh, the people that were following Trump they sent you know encouraging like look at it's isn't he great kind of thing they when the people were kind of swing votes, they weren't necessarily sending isn't Trump great stuff. They were actually trying to demonize the other candidate right? so that your only option left was to go there. So it was like, but we knew which message to send because if we send you the, he's amazing, and you're like, I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. But, and- but that segmentation allows them to weaponize and know, hey, I know who I'm talking to, and I'm making the information, the, the messaging specific to the audience to push you toward that and then also to continue to cycle all of your friends that liked it to push it back into your feed so all my friends the people we're talking about the people that we're close to yeah who may not be physically close to us are then cycling the same information back into our feeds for us which creates this really serious cycle of yeah yeah yeah, we're all agreeing yeah yeah we're all agreeing yeah yeah like anybody just stop for a minute ask yourself not just is this information true yeah, because let's be clear um, that my, my favorite phrase is that, you know, the quote that everything on the Internet's true. It's from Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> that That's my fa- one of my favorite quotes <laughs> about the Internet. But like not just is it true, but is it is the thing that's being delivered to me actually trying to manipulate me in a way that's more propaganda than actually sure. trying to open options and choices to me to say, here's what these two people are really about. Right. Here's what these two people are wrestling with. 
And let's actually have a conversation about which side of these you fall on, because you may say, hey, some of these issues I fall on this side and some of them I fall on this side and I'm kind of in the middle. A lot of the campaigns that we've been seeing lately are falling to uh, the far right, the far left. Actually, you're preaching in the choir. You're trying to win the middle. You're not right. trying to win the ends. The right. ends are going to vote for you no matter what. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you say. The you know, if you're a Republican candidate and you're pushing all your ads that are extreme to the to the right, they're gonna. They, it's not gonna make a difference. They're gonna vote for you anyways. And I think it goes the same way. You know, for for, for the other side. Um, but I, you know, I think it's really interesting. Um, it, the point you made about you know a candidate pushing an ad that is just completely um slandering their opponent right they're they're targeting this audience and saying don't vote for this person because xyz so the only option you're left with is to vote for me to vote for the other candidate but what's interesting about that is and and i i think you hinted at this is rarely are we seeing political campaigns today where it is vote for me because xyz we're only telling you don't vote for that person because i want to know what this candidate offers me you know regardless of the 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 color that's attached to their platform it doesn't matter what are you fighting for what do you want to do and i i think honestly really the strategic move there is people don't even care because that's boring they don't want to care oh this person wants to do this and this and this because honestly and i hate to say it People like drama. People want to see people fight and people, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, but that's what gets the most media attention. And, and so when you see an ad that, you know, it's dramatic music and it's black and white, you know, we've all seen, especially now, like we're we're all seeing these commercials everywhere. You know, you you get on YouTube and you try to watch a video of a cute little puppy dog. And like before, you know, it's like, don't vote for this person because they hate this guy and they, they don't believe in Americans rights. And it's like, okay, so who am I going to vote for then? You told me not to vote for this person. Who are you? Who's paying for this ad? Tell me why I should vote for you instead. And I feel like we don't always see that as much because then the other candidate will push an ad out. Well, don't vote for this person because and it's like, okay, I've narrowed it down. It's these two guys. But what are you offering me? Yeah. And I, I think the thing that you're saying, which is kind of what is frustrating in many ways, is that we're not getting a presentation of what the future could look like. Yeah. Uh, so when you hear like Martin Luther King had his I Haven't a Dream speech, his I Have a Dream is presenting what could be, not just what is. And the problem for most of them is um, I know that if I present clearly what I'm about, I, I'm actually not going to make the immediacy of the impact. See, I always say that I think, you know, we really only sell one of three things. We either sell love, we sell hope, or we sell fear. And, mm. and fear is always gets the most immediate reaction right so so what so they know that let's say thursday what you think about this doesn't matter what you think about it thursday doesn't matter because the vote's already over so this has to spark immediate action uh your house is on fire immediately you go okay we gotta we gotta go we gotta get out of here uh, if I said, you know, don't you love your house? Tell me about your house. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm kind of busy. Oh, right. Maybe I'll talk about it another time. Your house is on fire. Okay, we got to talk about my house. Like if I if I make fear the center point of what I'm trying to do, which, by the way, the number one word I've seen on every platform, every campaign, every everywhere is just the word extreme. Whatever mm. they mean by it, they just say the word too extreme. This person is an extremist backed by extremists extreme 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 and it makes me think like so your goal is i'm not extreme but you're just yelling at each other that you're too extreme because extremist 
has all of these incredibly negative, you know, Unabomber, terrorist, uh, all those things were called extremists in the last 10 to 15 years, which basically means that if you're a politician who's an extremist, you're obviously dangerous. Right. I don't say you're dangerous. Well, then that that helps push the narrative of fear right. to get people to do something. Correct. And so the point being, fear will make you take action mm. often more than hope. Yeah. Hey, here's the better world that we're presenting. And they'll do a little bit of that at the end of the thing. He'll make sure your taxes are cut. And you're like, right. how? Paid for how, how by, you gonna, yeah. right, right. How are you going to pull this off? Uh, the the challenge often, and I'll be honest, like the challenge for me because I live in Illinois, and what you just said is true about whether I live in the suburbs of the city kind of matters. I know that in the presidential election, it probably doesn't matter in the long run because Illinois has been a blue state for forever. Right. Who I vote for now, right. I know the people who will say, "Listen, you have to vote for you know," the, and I get that. I'm not I'm not disagreeing, but what I would challenge on is. Uh, what I vote for in my governor and my state and local representatives matters a lot. They're going to set my taxes. Well, your you, your vote in that election is a lot heavier than your vote where there's you know An so many college yeah their electoral college. But you've got you know h- how many registered like 150 some million Americans are registered to vote or whatever yeah. like versus the people in your county that are voting for your representative or your mayor or whoever. Your vote's going to hold a lot more weight when there's 10,000 people voting in it versus 150 plus million. And 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 it would probably hold more weight in my mind, I think, if you said uh, the, my vote would matter more if I were in a swing state. Right. If I were in a state that, hey, this one kind of goes back and forth and this one's going to matter in terms of a larger national election. Uh, and I'm not going to get into debates about whether or not you need an electoral college or a popular vote. At the, that's, that's a different that, that's a point. But, <laughs> but I do think I do think that in this conversation, the fact that so many people are getting their information from um, social media is causing me to pause and say, how are we going to um, move away from this? Partly the other thing that I'm concerned about is that more and more of this tends to be happening on a space like Twitter which by its definition is only using a limited number of characters mm-hmm. and the shorter it's that, gotten longer though i understand it has i remember when characters. i first got twitter and it was like you could put like 10 words yeah, <laughs> so it was like characters be before. wise <laughs> yeah and and then and then now it's 280 they doubled it but the thing about it is whenever humans as a communications person whenever humans talk short when they talk short it always sounds more aggressive no matter what they say right come here doesn't sound like hey come on over hey buddy come on over here come here two words sounds much more aggressive than hey would you like to come over for like oh no 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 it sounds demanding it sounds aggressive so if i have a platform that's based entirely around posting shorter phrases like you said sometimes 10 words Mm -hmm. that's it that's all i get it's gonna sound naturally more aggressive. Well, it's and, gonna and sound you, punchy. You can never hear people's tone in that either. You're just reading words that they said, especially when they're limited to 140 characters. It's funny. I get told all the time. Listen, I would not describe myself as like an angry person or like a not very nice person. Like, you know, I'm okay. a I'm, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love people. I love talking to people. And part of my job is to talk to a lot of people all the time. Sure. So I'm very extroverted in that. However, I've been told by so many people that I am such a dry texter that when they get a text from me, usually it's my team, where my text will be like, meet in the office now, period. And it'll be like, am I in trouble? Like, what's? And I'm like, no, I'm just like, I've got things to do. I don't mean it to be rude. I don't mean like, you're not in trouble. I just, I want to. 
you know, I have a coffee mug design I want to put SGA's logo on and I want your opinion on it. <laughs> like, like it's something super sweet and easy. Um, and so, but it's funny because like you look at social media, like look at Twitter. How many times have we looked at a tweet that was, you know, you know, do, do this right now, you know, vote for the, don't vote for this person because they hate you, period. Right. Like, you know, automatically as humans, we look at that and think, gosh, that was to the point. It was super short. It was like they were harsh. They they, they they were super rude about this. Like they used a period at the end. You know, like us young people don't even put periods in our texts anymore. Or they used a dot, 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 which is yeah. like just not a good idea. No, it's like, it's what, like I'm what, pausing what? because I'm raging yeah. at you. They got more to say. Yeah. And it's just and Anybody scary. over the age of 40s like, that's an ellipsis. It just means we're thinking, I why know. are you so mad? Or like my mother will text me K, period. I'll be like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I'm right. in trouble. Yeah. Didn't put the O in there. I'm and all done of a sudden, for. She's, she's angry. And then she calls me and she's like, hey. Yeah. I'm like, okay. You're like, this is not work. Well, and that's another part of this is recognizing that there are different, um, because you're encoding communication, you're encoding language right. when you put it on social media, that different groups of people will read that language differently because they didn't hear, because some of you are sitting there saying, why can't you put K? Uh, so yeah. just to be clear. So we're clearly communicating. <laughs> um, if you put K in a text and omit the O, most younger people think that means you're angry saying okay. Yeah, you don't even want to say a full word. You're just K. You're Goodbye. like, I'm so short with you that I couldn't even, I just put one letter right. and that's it. Whereas if I say okay, then you're like, oh, he's fine. That's fine. even better if you put okay a y. Oh, you yeah, spell okay. out the you word. Spell it out and it's I try my best to do that because. But then again, if you're you're Gen Z, you really don't like thumbs up because apparently that's somehow viewed sarcastically. Right. It's like whatever, like, dude. What like whatever like thumbs up is whatever. But, that's you know, interesting. It's it's. I mean, it's so interesting because even even like, um, thinking about you know the campaigns that we run at my church at Kingsway. You know, I only run well. I oversee all social media, but I only run the platforms for the main page, and so our, we've kind of handed off like the kids page to like our kids team mm-hmm, and our mm-hmm. students page to our students team. But whenever they we use a thing called Sprout Social, and you yep. know they put their posts in there, and then we like read it for approval. Not that we don't trust them, but it's just like branding. You know, big yeah, organization. We just want to see another trip. set of eyes on it. I want to be able to read it. My team must be able to see it, and then we just approve it, and it goes on the calendar, and it's all scheduled and stuff. But what I've noticed, which has been really cool to see, you know, as a young person running this and all the people running these other accounts are older than me, but they're catching on to how people communicate differently on social media that our student uh, minister who runs our students Instagram, whenever he puts things to be scheduled in Sprout for Instagram specifically for the student page, it's in all lowercase with no punctuation. Yep. But I never write, even though that's how I text, like I have my caps thing off and I don't use punctuation in my texts unless, and then I do and people are like, are you mad at me? <laughs> like I never put posts like that because I know our demographic is 35 to 45 years old. That's the average age in our church. We call them Michael and Carly. Those are our like target people. You know, we've got it all Michael down to, that's what we call them. Yeah. So in our staff meetings, we talk about who are the Michael and Carly of our community. They're between this age, they have this many kids and they make this much money. That's the families we're targeting in our area. Sure. Michael and Carly put K period in their text messages. That <laughs> like that is, so I'm not using lowercase and stuff like that, but our student page is, and they get way more traction when they write them like that. And if I were to ever do that on our main Instagram page or our Facebook page, God forbid I put lowercase on a Facebook post without an emoji and an emotion to it and punctuation. <laughs> but it's so fascinating. You, I mean, you venture out of politics and like, that's how like 
my church is running our social media and it's different and it's all the same message, but it's working because of the audience that is on that platform. Yeah. And, and segmenting to communicate with them well based yeah. on the way they would read it versus right. the way you may or may not have meant it. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of this is uh, because I think some people would think, well, this, these people are just getting on and they're just posting and they're just being. No, no, no. Listen, if you're in a political campaign, this is multi millions of dollars. With, Lots of with money. Huge number of strategic advisors yeah. and and consultants who are making sure that every single one of these that's not accidental. Yeah. The stuff that they're posting is strategic. It's focused. They're really targeting an audience and trying to say this is who we're after. So this isn't some. Well, they just think this. It's not random. It's mm-hmm. not accidental. No. It is very, very, very much focused and targeted at a group of people to get them to do a certain thing. They're not interested in your opinion. They're only interested <laughs> in your vote. Right. So in that sense, social media, in essence, itself has been weaponized. And the tricky part for people, I think, often is that this is the same place they go to see pictures of their kids or their friends' yeah. kids or talk about their neighborhood, you know, um, yard sale or, or you know, hey, we're going to plan this great event for the 4th of July. This space is now filled with ads that look on their surface like they're just as personal as all the other stuff that's being posted and yet very, very specific to you. Yeah. So speaking of ads, this is what's cool. What I've learned with this is when I worked on my friend Andy's campaign, we were running ads uh, across his whole area because mm-hmm. it was it was for that that area he lived in. So yeah, it's you not can like, target the geographic right, so that it so, actually is only the so, people in that area. Right. Because it's like, you know, what's a guy in Iowa going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for Andy Lyons for Indiana's 31st district sure. and house. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And we'd waste so much money on that. And totally. so, you know, we, 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 make, we make a pinpoint in like the center of the little town and then we, you know, we branch out. But as we were running those ads, we had to go through like a special qualification with Facebook. Like, like this is something I never did when I when I run uh, campaigns for church because it's not anything to do with politics. But because it was a political campaign, we had to get special approval from Facebook to run political ads specifically. And so we had to turn on the little mark and then we had to submit our like campaign ID. We had to submit Andy's driver's license to show that he's a real person, a real candidate, that he's actually on the ballot in that area. And then we had to give them like two week notice. So like the social media coordinator in me was like, oh, great. I can plan all my posts out like months in advance. Like we can do all this stuff. However, um, you know, there was such a limitation there because all of a sudden now out of nowhere, I'm seeing Facebook is putting all these ramifications on making it so difficult to run a political ad in an area, and then our ads were getting blocked. Facebook wouldn't let us post any ads because they were about politics. And then when it got close to voting day, they blocked them again and said, you're going to influence how people vote. And it was weird. It was really weird for me to sit on the inside of that and think, oh my gosh, my ads are not being run right now because I could influence how somebody votes. Isn't that what we're doing? Aren't we running a campaign? Aren't we trying to get them to vote for us? And so that's even an even larger conversation of social media's influence on that is, you know, should technology be allowed to do that? Be allowed to prevent a candidate from saying something or not? Now, you know, that's a much larger conversation of like hate speech versus freedom of speech. And doesn't mean you can just spew hate anytime you want, but you go through all these, jump through all these hoops and all these steps as a legitimate candidate to say, vote for me because, and Facebook says, we're not going to run that. Yeah. That's and, crazy. And, and I think that the, the problem fundamentally is, and this is to be clear, this is something that the United States is wrestling with. They've kind of wrestled a little bit earlier with this in Europe, but 
the United States is wrestling with uh, a serious question right now, and it's actually going to the Supreme Court here soon, um, of whether or not a social media site is a publisher and responsible for its content, the content that anybody posts on it, or whether or not it acts more like a telephone, mm. so they can't be responsible for the messages that are sent on the telephone line, only that the telephone line works. So if you said uh, this is a telephone, you're not responsible. But if you said this is a magazine and you publish something in your magazine, you are responsible for the content of the magazine because you're. if you said something bad about someone, and this is the problem well, that, that they're wrestling with. on our, yeah. And so they're bringing it right now to the Supreme Court to ask the question, what is this? Because the early laws didn't really have a way of thinking through and weren't prepared for Web 2.0, Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, all that. They're trying to figure out who's responsible for what. And so what you see is you see uh, like 2015, 2016, you get Cambridge Analytica and they open wide up and then they go, oh, shoot, we shouldn't have done that. They got to apologize. They got to back off. So then you swing back the other end and go, hold on, you can't post that. We can't post anything because we might get in trouble. And now they're swinging back to other degrees. And that's kind of the question that's coming up right now with Twitter is, is this going to swing back to hey, we're just going to say whatever we want to say because we're just a telephone. We don't really care right. what happens, and this could turn into whatever it wants. The The challenge is, and this is, to be clear, this is the ramification of what's going on at the moment because this should have been solved by Congress a while ago. Yeah. This is how it got solved in Europe was basically the EU basically sat down and said, we're going to come up with laws that are balanced. Yeah. We haven't done that. And because we haven't done that, we're behind. And so we're trying to kind of make this up as we go and it's not working very well because we should have solved this the reason this becomes problematic is that the way you would have solved it was one person on either side of the aisle saying hey listen uh we can't have this you know complete just open free for all everybody's going to destroy each other and say the most vile things you can but at the same time we do have to figure out how to let people have some level of freedom of speech and disagree and have dialogue. And and how do we help them understand the rules and the laws and the way that we do this? A good um, government structure would have already had these conversations between two opposite poles Mm. to come to balance and say, hey, we can't do this, but we can do this. And we can't do this, but we can do this. But basically what we've had for a while now is we keep swinging Okay, now it's a de- democratic Senate. You can say now whatever you want Senate. or and don't so, say anything. And so the yeah. laws switch with who's ever in power. Yeah. That's not actually coming to fair and equitable things for a lot more people because you need the dialogue that has to take place between the two sides to actually get to some even level of, hey, this works for yeah. rich people, but it also works for poor people. Hey, this works for the people with power, but it works for the people without power. Hey, this works for the people that you know have a, a very liberal view and a very conservative view. Mm-hmm. This has got to balance. Well, and that, that I think is where the danger of having one-party control the House, the Senate, and and the White House, like the executive branch, all, all together. I think it, I don't like that regardless of who's in control, whether it was when President Trump was in or President Biden. Like, there's been moments in presidencies where they're like, you know what? We just came out of eight years of Obama and we just need to get a fresh start. And they get a Republicans control the House and the Senate and the White House. And they go, well, shoot, we've had enough of these Republicans. We need to get back. And then President Biden wins and it's Right, like currently, I mean that that may change as, as after somebody listens to this podcast. But like, <laughs> you know, we've influenced it. We did, you know. But sure, yeah. No, um, but not. you know, currently as it stands, as the time we're talking, the Senate, 
the House, I mean, the Senate's very close. It's like 50-50 plus um, the vice president's sure. vote that kind of sways it to yep. be Democrat. And the White House and the House. And so, again, you've got one party controlling all three. But because it's so close, nothing gets done when everybody has control because you're just close enough where you don't always have the majority on it to get like a full vote through. So then everybody just fights with each other again and nothing gets done. And then they blame the party in control and they switch it and think this is going to fix it because every other time we switch back and forth, it fixed it. And it never does. It never it does. It never fixes it. And, And it. And, and part of that comes back to you need a group of people who say, okay, we're actually going to sit down and figure out a way to make something work. And well, theoretically, do, that's and the Supreme sometimes. Court, right? But, I mean, well, that's... but they do sometimes. They do sometimes actually sit down and put together legislation that actually works for both parties. Yeah. You saw some of that early, uh, probably, you know, a little while ago. And, and when they do that, you actually get some, okay, this is interesting. This is balanced. Mm-hmm. There's some pieces that can work here. Uh, the system can't work when we keep swinging so far in extremes because, this, in essence, what you're saying is the the group of people who sides with you, their voice doesn't matter. Yeah. For this country to work, I have to say, I know you disagree with me. I know you disagree about this particular thing. Mm-hmm. We have to figure out how to work together, and I have to think about you just as much as I think about me. But right now, based on the way that social media has kind of helped, now let me be clear, social media is not responsible for this alone. This is 24-hour news cycles. This is um, that that really have no interest whatsoever in even per- pretending to have any objectivity. Well, it, it's that fear thing. If we can scare you about this, and we have a huge platform, you know, we're the biggest mainstream media channel or the biggest social media channel, and we can say, "Ooh, look what's going to happen if this guy wins," then people, you know, fear act it, it promotes action, and sure. they want people to do something. And so you're right; it's not just social media. I mean, there's so much more to that sure but it's it's constantly working all together yeah to push people to ends and what it what it ultimately seems to do is because of that fear that that fear of the way you're pushing it you're basically pushing people in maslow's hierarchy the lowest uh you know level is basic survival yeah and and right now we're not in a space where we should be having a conversation about basic survival. Yeah. Like this is not, we, but we think we are. Mm-hmm. So we keep talking like this whole place could burn down tomorrow. Yeah. And so we refuse to get past the basic survival space. I got to get mine because everybody else is going to get theirs and they're going to take mine away and I'm not going to have enough money to pay for anything. If we got to get past the survival space to actually be able to have the kind of uh, discussions that were, hey, no, actually, my basic needs are taken care of, and we can get to that. Good. So let's have a conversation about ideals and morals and the ways that we want to treat people and the ways we want to help people. Right. And, and how do we balance that so that we don't have no government, but we don't have gigantic government, and we don't leave people out, but we don't mean that we're going to pay for everybody for everything. Right. So how do we find a good, healthy balance for the ways that well, we're going to live that includes, I get what I need, but you get what you need, and everybody else gets what... How do we make sure that this works not just for a small group of people who is currently in power mm-hmm. and leaves the other group of people who's not out in the cold waiting their turn to flip the tables at the next election and basically get back in the house? Exactly, and then just benefit themselves. And, and like, you know, I think the hard part of that is... Um, there's, I mean, honestly, that, you know, when I think about it, it, social media has such an influence on politics as we've discussed. And I would say politics has an influence on social media as well. When you talk about like, because of politics, I mean, even back to like the ad conversation, you know, I, there were times where I couldn't run ads to promote church events because it was too close to an election. Sure. 
And so it was like, I can't even, I, politics has influenced social media so much now that in the month of November, I can't even promote, you know, our, our Christmas services or our Thanksgiving weekend, whatever, mm-hmm. because they're worried that it's going to influence an election in some way. And so it's like, it's prevented how we do ministry online in certain times of the year. Sure. But I think that all comes down to just like sin nature, just human nature. People will always take advantage of the system that we have. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a political structure that's like, this is great. This is going to help this poor person. And this is going to, you know, balance the scales. You know, this is going to make sure people in power are held accountable and people who really need help getting off the ground are going to get that help they need. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have those people that are like, well, I don't need help getting off the ground. But I could use that extra cash in my pocket. Sure. I could use, and they're going to take advantage of it. And now now we're in debt, and now people are fighting, and they thought, this is why this doesn't work. And this is, and it's, all that didn't necessarily span now from social media. It spanned from the sinful people who took advantage of the system, who took advantage of the, the policy or the politics, but then used the platform they have on social media to also spew that same thing. And, you know, I, I even think, like, as we're talking, I think about, like, there were plenty of times during the last presidential election and the one before and my own election, there were things I heard about myself where I was like, gosh, I'd hate that guy too. Like if that, <laughs> if that were really me, I, would, I wouldn't vote for him either. But then there, you see people that support different candidates that are just sometimes just crazy and they use their social media platform that, you know, you, you got that neighbor that lives down the street that's like pro whatever candidate. And, you know, this woman's just crazy. It's like, I don't really want to vote for that candidate if that's the people who are voting right, for right. them, if that's who it is. Right. And again, it circles back. That may not even be the case, but that's be, that's because that's the message I'm hearing. That's mm-hmm. the audience that I'm seeing. That's the algorithm that I've been put in. I think that every single voter for this person is is extreme, dangerous, mm-hmm. crazy you know, a threat to society, whatever word a politician wants to use, but that's just really not the case, you know? Well, and I think, I think the way that a lot of this does get solved, which, which I think is, and I know this is going to sound just outrageous. (laughs) I understand that is, um, just let's have some local dialogue where we actually sit down at a table with people. So uh, I used to work for um, a global nonprofit called Awana. Some people may have heard of it, but oh, we had a heard. policy that if someone complained to us um, and it was, you know, pretty serious, angry, you know, like this is bad. Um, we immediately uh, sent them a direct message or a private message and gave them a number to call mm-hmm. and said, um, the director would love to talk to you and yeah. hear more about what you're doing. Almost to a person, when they called us, we set a meeting with them because we wanted to hear what they had to say. They got on the phone and never sounded hateful. Yeah. Never sounded angry even. Never sounded. They were like, we just want you to know we love what you do. We're so glad. We just had one little thing that was bothering us. And it was like, can I just read you back what you posted? What you wrote. Because what you wrote was not very nice. You wrote (laughs) this. And when we talked to them immediately the moment i had to deal with a person i couldn't treat you as an object but you you know what made the difference in that is there was no it's it's like we talk about the medium and 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 the all these topics in in um, um media strategies the class i'm in with you about you know the platform reason to communicate these things that the best way to communicate is face to face yep but then you've got the zoom call then just the audio call yep. and then just the text message like it gets so far back but when they picked up the phone and called you like or met with you and set up a meeting in person 
the 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 um, means of having that conversation was not there was not a screen between you two. No. There was not a computer or a cell phone right. between you two. You could sit down with that person and have a conversation. Which really gets you to believe, oh my goodness, you know, I've heard you're extreme here and that I'm extreme here, but now we're in the room talking to each other and there's so much more that we agree on Mm -hmm. when we just set the phone down and have a conversation about it. And that, and that I think is the solution. Yeah. The solution has to be as we go forward, how do we actually get in space with people? If, 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 even if it's on zoom, but we get in space with people as often as we can face to face. And have these conversations. And I yeah. know, look, that there's a lot of people. I don't even love talking about politics. I, you know, because at the end of the day, I, I understand that we have to figure out how to live well together in the space. And that's one of the things Jacques Allo was interested in. If you, if you know anything about Jacques Allo, you should know that uh, Jacques Allo was the mayor of Bordeaux after, uh, but right after the fact that he was part of the French resistance that resisted the Nazis. Mm. So he is he is incredibly integrated into his community, even politically. Yeah. To say, hey, Christians can't just step out and go, well, we don't really care. Um, I I struggle with this because I recognize and, and, and can sit theologically and say, politics is never going to solve the real problems that we have. Right. But uh, I have to live in this space and time with people, and I'm mm-hmm. supposed to love my neighbors. So how do I do that best? Yeah. And that usually has to involve some level of, you know, rules and governance and ways that we're going to live together to actually help each other. Mm-hmm. So. I don't always love the political conversation, but I'll wade into that space when it means that I'm learning to love my neighbor better right. and recognize that I don't usually love my neighbor well online. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's where I fall because I think we all recognize how divisive politics has become. Sure. And it has been for a long time, but I think even now fueled by the, the just the mass media platform, how quickly... You know, you can get the word out. I I don't know if it's you and I have talked about this or with other people, but it's like back in the day, if a newspaper printed something false, you know, on the front page the next day, it had to be a big redacted and it had to be like Mm -hmm. this. This was false. We said something that was incorrect that influenced public opinion in a bad or even maybe in a good way. I don't know, but it, it was not true. Sure. You're not seeing the mainstream media open up and go like, here's a list of the things we lied to you about yesterday after we fact-checked ourselves. (laughs) And even more so, people on social media, they're going to get and be like, well, the article I shared yesterday was full of misinformation. But then you, then Facebook is flagging it for misinformation. Like, am I supposed to trust that? Am I supposed to like, like what, what's going on here? But again, getting rid of that screen, I, 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 I think this is where I, there's some prominent pastors that talk about, and I've, I'm spacing who, what his name is, but when I say this, you might know who I'm talking about. Um, there's a prominent pastor that, that talks about, you know, well, no, Andy Stanley is one of them that talks about this, too, is a Christian's role in politics is the sidelines, um, is you don't choose a party, you stand the sidelines. And honestly, I disagree with that. And and I've been very vocal about my, my disagreement with Andy Stanley on this topic and a couple other big pastors that are like, you shouldn't, you know, take a huge stand on these politics because as as divisive as politics has become, as as easy as misinformation can be spread across these mediums. We, like it or not, in America, are stuck in a two-party system. It may not be always beneficial. It may not always be the most unifying thing. And it may be very divisive. But as a Christian, we have to be able to take a stand on some of these things and not be not be aggressive, not be hateful, not be, well, I'm right and you're wrong because, but say, why do you believe what you believe? 
why why do you why are you so passionate about this how can i learn like you said to love my neighbor better and if we stay out of the conversation of politics entirely with the church um, uh, you know, we're, we're never going to make progress on that. And we, we won't just sit in the same room and not talk. Us as Christians will leave the room entirely and shut the door. And we will leave our neighbor in the room by themselves to talk to the wall about politics and things that they disagree on. Because if we don't talk about things we disagree on, we will never grow as people and we will never actually come together and find something that we agree on. And I, and I think the key component here, for, for me at least, is, and uh, it was a good message several weeks ago um, about leaven and the idea that Christians are meant to be in the world, to be engaged with the world, which is part of what Allah keeps talking about, that I've got to live faithfully in this moment, yeah. that, that I need to live biblically, but I need to live in this moment, yes. and I need to figure out how to do that well, because I can't just abandon the world and the culture and say I'm leaving, that leaven is meant to be in contact with bread, that's how the yeast changes things, is just right. to be in contact with the world. Be a Christian in this space. Mm-hmm. Listen. Listen really well to your neighbor and engage mm-hmm. with them. And there's a ton of uh, difficulty in that because there's going to be moments where people aren't going to like what you're saying and they're not going to. But at the same time, if we can start by listening in that, in that engagement, we can recognize that when we start by listening, we invite others to listen as well. Yeah. And now we've got dialogue. We have this tendency, and this is ultimately what I think is the danger of social media. We have this tendency to think that dialogue's happening when we're speaking. Mm. Dialogue's not happening when we're speaking because we can just shout over each other. Right. The difference in listening versus just like waiting to talk, you know? Dialogue is when we're listening. Yeah. And so if you're saying, I'm in dialogue with my neighbors, my question to you is, then how much have you listened? Mm. How much have you really listened to what they're actually in? Because what they're concerned about might not be about a political party or an issue or any. What they're concerned about usually comes back to something very human. Mm. And so how can I listen to you as a human and hear what's really on your heart, what's really on your mind, what you're really wrestling with? Yeah. If I were asking what Jesus would be doing, I think it'd be that. To sit and listen to people and challenge them when he thinks, hey, I'm not sure I totally agree with you on this. But he wouldn't have said, I'm just going to stand here and shout over the next person. Right. Run a better social media campaign that has louder things that make more people afraid. Because ultimately, I haven't actually engaged in dialogue unless I listened well to you. Mm. So, well, Luke, thank you for joining us and hanging out today talking about this. I know this is uh, a week where there's going to be a lot of conversation. And I'm fascinated to hear some of the things that people are going to say as they're engaging. But as always, if you have questions, you want to follow up, you want to ask me something, you can email me at profpettit at gmail.com, P-R-O-F-P-E-T-T-I-T-T. Yes, four T's. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's a lot, but that's my name. Uh, and I, But I'd love to hear your questions. I'd love to hear where you're coming from. Uh, and But I just encourage you in this particular week especially, uh, and as we're having these conversations about elections that are happening this week and, and the repercussions of them over the next couple weeks, I just encourage you, can you spend some time off the internet, off social Mm. media, listening to and loving your neighbor? Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you soon. Take care.